Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Hey, everybody. Sorry, this episode's a couple days late. I was getting my car fixed, and I had to be on call, and uh, they were still working on it when we were record- we, when you were going to record on Sunday evening, so it's all my fault. Did you uh, get that car back? Oh, yeah, it's all fixed. Yeah, my brakes were going out, and oh. then my timing belt, and it was one of Emily's family friends, and he's just like, you want me to just fix everything? I had a little rat's nest in there, apparently, <laughs> which is... <laughs> crazy because i you know i just got my oil changed a month or two ago a couple months ago i would say so i mean i would i would think that the oil uh people would find that they do a vehicle inspection so yeah so we got that removed and we (laughs) should be good to go now fingers crossed awesome Uh, well, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of uh, the latest two episodes of Better Call Saul. Um, we'll That's episodes be... 10 and 11. Yes. And then we'll also be doing The Gray Man on Netflix and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh man, action-packed episode once again. Yeah. That one movie podcast. But first, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. I'm excited for the Toms this week. Holden, what do we have? Tom's is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Tom's, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. All right, Holden, what trailers do we have this week? All right, so to start, let's talk about the blonde trailer. Um, this is the new Netflix movie that has been getting some buzz because it's a Marilyn Monroe biopic st- starring Anna, Anna de Armas, who we'll also be talking about later in the episode. Um, but it's also very, it's getting a lot of notoriety because it is apparently getting an NC-17 rating. Oh, wow. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah, it did, it did show that at the end of the trailer where it shows the rating, but, um, yeah, um and it's gonna be on netflix yes yeah this is the first movie to do that as far as i'm aware yeah a lot of kids are gonna see that (laughs) 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 there oh yeah i mean i had sixth graders watching squid game last year so yeah yeah there's gonna be a lot of young viewers (laughs) who are gonna have quite the education yeah, uh, I don't I don't really know how that works cuz the idea behind NC17 in theaters is that like absolutely no one under the age of 17 like no exceptions can go into it. That's but with Netflix like I, I the most you can do is like parental controls, I guess. <laughs> I, I like, guess I don't, but are they going to implement parental controls for the one movie or just I guess a sweeping thing? Do well, they already I mean, have like kids accounts for Netflix? Yeah, there are parental controls already right. and kids accounts. Um, so I don't know if they're going to do anything extra beyond that, but it's just very interesting. Something we haven't seen before. 
But anyway, the movie itself, what'd you think of the trailer? Well, now I'm really excited, Olin. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was, I thought it looked good. I thought Ana de Armas looks great uh, as Marilyn Monroe. I forget her actual name now. I like how it's the idea of... Jean? I like how it's the idea that, you know, Marilyn Monroe is not actually who she is. Mm -hmm. That's like her performing and nobody wants her to stop performing and just be herself um, and the pressures that that would take. And Hollywood of that era, it's a biopic. Uh, it's in black and white and color. It's, it looks like this has got a lot of style. It's a big swing. The question is, did they make contact? Did they hit a line drive, base it to right field? Did they hit it out of the park, Holden? <laughs> we shall see, and I will yeah. stop making baseball analogies. Perfect. Well, I mean, she also was married to a baseball player. So, oh yeah, he, Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I think this movie looks very interesting. I agree, very stylish. It kind of reminds me of like Spencer from last year, where it looks like it, there's going to be a lot of symbolic, like her trauma being shown through. I don't know various visuals. You see like a house on fire and stuff in this. Um, but I'm I'm get, getting a similar vibe in that way. But performances look great. People are upset that she has an accent. Who cares? I don't know. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> uh, as long as the performance is good, I really don't care. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think the director is like a pretty. I I don't I haven't seen any of his other work, but I think his other movies are supposed to be good. He's did like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is I've heard is. A good oh movie. yeah, I've heard that's good. Um, and he's did some episodes of Mind Hunter and some other movies, but yeah. So I'm definitely very intrigued. Coming out in September. Um, I'll give the trailer a Brokaw. I will too. Um, wrong Anna cast though, it, or Anna. It should have been Anna Gunn and uh, Skylar White from Breaking Bad, so she could sing "Happy Birthday." Yeah, it's no. <laughs> to you. Uh, just kidding. Anna yeah, Damas will be that. great. Broke off for me. Holden, what's our next trailer? Uh, the next trailer. Let's do Pearl. Pearl, um, the sequel movie, or excuse me, the prequel spinoff of the movie X that we both mm-hmm. liked. Yeah, and initially when we saw X and reviewed it, we walked out of the theater before <laughs> the trailer played at the end. Um, so this is the first time it's kind of playing online. I think this is also extended. Cause it I'm, is. Because yeah. I, I mean, I saw it again uh, at the State Theater, and <laughs> it was kind of a little teaser. This is a more full-fledged trailer. Did not see all this stuff in that initial first look after the credits of X. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, you are the bigger fan of X, even though I also liked it. What do you think of Pearl, the Pearl trailer? Uh, I think it just looks like uh, some more. I'm not super excited about it, but I think it will be uh, a good time. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, it just looks, I don't know if it'll be as horror or if it's just going to kind of looks like some, um, you know, um, blood bloody uh, what is it called the the blood porn what's the term for like saw torture porn torture porn yeah not that but just bloody i guess yeah i don't i'm not really sure apparently ty west has said uh, he's talked about making sequels to or like 
other movies in this universe as well and he says that each idea he has is like based on like different aspects of horror and different eras of horror so uh x was like 70s slashers like texas chainsaw and everything and i don't know if since this is earlier if this is going to go for like some hitchcock vibes or some other things i don't i don't know exactly what he's going for but i'm definitely interested and uh mia goth looks like she's putting on a good performance here yeah is this theatrical again i think so yeah um sorry i was a little distracted emily just walked in with a cookie cake (laughs) <laughs> I don't I might I don't know where it's from but it looks delicious oh my gosh <laughs> but uh yeah so I'm excited for it hold on I will give it a broca I'll give it a broca as well what will you give it Emily Bergeron. oh Emily gave it a Bergeron I don't know if you could hear that <sighs> yeah I did kind of hear it I don't think the, the mic probably I, didn't pick she's it up talking there. to me but I have headphones on so I cannot hear what she's saying <laughs> <laughs> which uh you know I key I pretty I tune her out anyway. Just send me a piece of that cookie cake over the Skype, Jimmy. Yeah, here we go. Some virtual cookie <laughs> cake. What's that called? Mukbang or whatever. Oh yeah, mukbang. There we go. All right, back on track, Holden. We got a lot to do in this episode. So yeah, we do. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Scott Sutter doesn't just show up in town and barge through your door. Yeah, that'd be. Or my door. That would be even more. <laughs> that'd be even surprising. weirder. Um, yeah, the final trailer we have is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio uh, movie uh, releasing on Netflix. This one has been in the works for a while. We got like a short little teaser some months ago, but this is the first actual trailer. Jimmy, what do you think of this? Well, doesn't it just look way better than the Disney one? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Um, You know, the great thing about the, the stop motion claymation style of filmmaking is that you really have to have planned everything out mm-hmm. um because you don't want to spend weeks creating a scene that you're just not going to use um so it just looks very artfully crafted very intentional every every frame um obviously because so much work goes into it so i just think that it looks like a lot of care has gone into this passion project for Guillermo del Toro. So uh, I'm more excited about it than I was before. So by that account, I will give it a Brokaw as well. Yeah, I didn't say Brokaw, but uh, yeah. Um, I it, mean, I, I meant as I've given the other oh, ones Oh, in Brokaws. addition to the other trailers. Not everything's okay. about you, Holden. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, um, I I really like the style. Um, I It's... I think it's kind of hard sometimes to come up with new styles of, of claymation, but this one, Guillermo del Toro's kind of make everything look very wooden, like a little wooden boy. Maybe yeah, the, to wood, blur the, lines. the wooden boy. Yeah. The boy um, with the, the wood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I, I really like all the... It looks like there's a lot of lines and grooves on every model. It looks really cool. Um, but always excited for a new Guillermo del Toro movie. Um I love stop motion animation as well, so very excited for this. Um, think this is coming. I said this is coming out in December, so end of the year for us. Uh, I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Awesome, Holden. Um, and the, on to other news. Uh, I was trying to keep this news. Uh, so I initially I did the notes for Sunday because I thought we were uh, recording on Sunday, and I was trying to keep the notes just for then because I was like, well, I don't want to just like not have anything left for next week because <laughs> sometimes that yeah. does happen. But something big did come out today that I want to talk about that happened a few hours ago. Oh boy! Um, that 
apparently the Batgirl movie is just being shelved, like, completely. Well, okay. <laughs> Let me figure this out. Was it a theatrical okay. thing, then HBO Max, or was it always an HBO Max? I think it thing? was always HBO Max. Okay, and then now it's just shelved. Did they cast a Batgirl? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was uh, Leslie Grace who was in, in the Heights. And they had, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. some promo images out and everything. Yeah, they did. And because people were complaining about something, right? <laughs> yeah, they were complaining that the suit had too many zippers or something. That they didn't <laughs> they didn't like that it was like fully clothed, a fully clothed woman or something. <laughs> That's not skin tight leather. Yeah. <laughs> um oh yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't why why did they do this, Holden? Do you know? Yeah, so Hollywood Reporter, I think, is the one that came out and talked about this. But apparently, it's because the top brass at Warner Discovery say they're trying to focus the DC movies on being entirely theatrical now, and Batgirl was just like not designed in that way at all. Like, it, I think it had like a seven seventy million dollar budget. Um, so, and I think the vibe I get is that it didn't like visually probably wouldn't pass that well for a theatrical film but this is a movie that is like imagine making a movie for 70 million dollars that isn't good enough (laughs) to play at a theater well yeah and like this movie is almost completely done aside from some post-production stuff like it was planned on being released in december um, the movie is completely filmed. Like Brendan Fraser was the bad guy. Uh, are we are we getting robbed of Brendan Fraser? Yeah, we are. We're getting robbed of him as as Firefly. Um, and then who else? Uh, <laughs> Brendan Fraser was going to be Firefly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, Michael Keaton was apparently going to be in it as Batman, in addition to J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, see, why wouldn't you just dump that on, on, uh, HBO Max? Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. Even if the movie isn't that great, like, that hasn't stopped people before. Like, I I can't imagine this movie is that much worse than, like, the, the Whedon cut of Justice League, like, (laughs) or anything like that. Still released those movies. I mean, I guess there was a lot more financial investment in that. But still, like, $70 million, just dump it on HBO Max with a small marketing budget. Who cares? People will watch it. It'll if you were going to waste $70 million, they might as well have just given it to us. Yeah, right? Yeah. So what's <laughs> we the deal here? We could have made a worse Spagirl movie. <laughs> we can't, And then they could have shelved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I just... That's... It's so weird. Uh, in, in addition to that, apparently, uh, there was a Scoob, a new Scoob movie being made. Scoob I, Holiday Haunt. Uh, I on. was just thinking. I'm not even joking, Holden. As I was setting up my microphone for the podcast today, I was like, oh, yeah. Scoob <laughs> is a movie that exists that we reviewed on this podcast. Because I don't know why it just came up in my mind but i it was just one of those things that i had completely forgotten about maybe we were just like linking up there uh, we psychically go. while i was doing notes but um yeah apparently this uh i don't know if it's a i think there's still a sequel being made but one's some scoob movie called scoob holiday haunt uh is not happening because of the same similar reasons it's just being completely shelved i think that one was a lot earlier in development though <laughs> Scoob Holiday Aunt. Um, what a tragedy that we're missing out on Scooby-Doo, one of my favorite <laughs> franchises. Um, so, you know, 
To be fair, though, with Scooby-Doo, you're never going to exceed the Jam- James Gunn movies. True. This is this is very true. Um, I don't know. I as far as the Batgirl thing is, I think it's a bombadil for me because I I like from what little we knew, especially with like the Brendan Fraser as Firefly. I am uh, upset that we are not going to see this. I I could see them maybe tur- like turning around on this in the near future. Maybe this is like some stunt to gauge interest. I don't know, but. We'll see. It just seems weird. Yeah. Sell it to Netflix or something. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) They throw away money. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They'd pay more than twice your budget for it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Weird. I'll give that a Bombadil. Yeah. Um, Broke off for the scoop one, though, because who cares? Um, (laughs) uh, More DC news. This is more DC news than happened uh, last week during Comic-Con. But Aquaman 2, apparently... Batfleck is going to be in the movie. <laughs> um, this ha- this came about because apparently Ben Affleck and Jason Momoa were like seen on set together, and so people were like, it was rumor mill on the internet, like, oh, are they in this movie together? And then Jason Momoa just comes out and is like, well, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> Even though like no one was talking about it, aside from like the people that follow those uh, accounts that have like bootleg images of film sets, so. I think the vibe I get is that Jason Momoa really uh, jumped the gun there. <laughs> uh, I mean, wh- okay, that doesn't. Why is Batfleck in this movie now? What are they? Are they redoing the universe? I don't even know what's happening over there. Yeah, I don't think they do. So, I also thought Ben Affleck just didn't want to do this anymore. So why does he keep doing them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I mean, people can change their minds, but. Whatever. I don't care. So Bergeron for me. Uh, Bergeron for me as well. I still haven't seen Aquaman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Jimmy, you've got until like March of next year. So get on it. Who's directing the second one? Is it? It's not James I th- Gunn. I think or, it's uh, James Wan. James Wan again. I think it is. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, we got some Martin Scorsese news here, Jimmy. Uh, first of all, uh, something you'll be disappointed about is that Kel- Killers of the Flower Moon has been delayed, Jimmy, into 2023. And I had heard that. We're going to have to wait until 2023 to get some Brendan Fraser now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although he has that other movie with the, the Black Swan guy where he plays like the 300 pound man. I think we've talked about it. I don't know if that's coming out this year anyway doesn't matter um killers of the flower moon delayed into 2023 no confirmed release date but from the i don't know if this was hollywood reporter i saw this apparently they're talking about screening it at can and then having a wider theatrical release later in the year and if that's the case we're not getting it for like a whole other year oof (laughs) uh but i mean it'll be good when it comes out so whatever it is what it is. I can wait for it. Yeah. Um, especially if it's good. So I will say Bergeron. Uh, I'll give it a Bergeron as well. Uh, more Scorsese news, though. Um, oh, boy. Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio are working together on their seventh movie after this next one, after Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, there, It is going to be a movie based on the book The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder. Hmm. Um, which is apparently the same author as Killers of the Flower Moon, Jimmy. 
So. Oh, interesting. Um, Who's the author of that Lost City of Z movie that people like, but a lot of people haven't seen, including yes. myself. I have also not seen it. Um, but this is kind of what the, mo- the book is about. Uh, it's set in the 1740s and focuses on two groups of shipwrecked men. The first boat, which lands on the coast of Brazil, holds 30 em- emancipated men who claim they are sur- the surviving crew of a British ship that crashed on a remote island. The second ship arrives on the coast of Chile six months later and in worse condition, holding three sailors who claim the other men are mutineers. The naval survival tale builds to a trial by the British Admiral to learn what really happened between the two ships and the harsh conditions the men struggled to survive in. Ooh, interesting. I like it. Sounds intense. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be yelling yeah. while the ship be, is sinking. Yep, going to be yelling in some rain. Yeah, they're going to be in that whirlpool thing from At World's End. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. I want to see Martin Scorsese do that. <laughs> Um, here's a roller coaster for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Martin Scorsese. Good job. Eh? <laughs> if I wanted spectacle, I would look at the mirror in my at my eyebrows, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's a very good director. I'm excited for this. I'm gonna give it a Brokaw, Holden. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Like the both of them. But it does um, so- really sound like a roller coaster of a ride, if I say so myself. It really does. It really does. Um, other news. So, Tomb Raider. Apparently, the sequel is completely scrapped now, Jimmy. Cause well, yeah, because I saw that the, the rights just they expired or something. <laughs> yeah. And now there was a bidding war for them. <laughs> yeah, so MGM lost the film rights. So, uh, the planned sequel is completely scrapped. Alicia Vikander is out as Lara Croft. Um, and currently, yeah, there is a bidding war over the rights. Um, as of now, no one has uh, successfully secured them, uh, but a full reboot is planned. Jimmy, what do you think of this? <laughs> when did Tomb Raider come out? 20... I'm pretty sure it's 2018. Because it was spring of... I was. I think it was my freshman year. So, yeah. Boy. Oof. I mean, that movie was not very good, was it, in my opinion? <laughs> no. And what's his name? Was uh, What's the actor's name? Who's like, oh, I came in to provide some originality or something. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, Who was that? Gog- Goggins? Is that his name? Oh, Walton Gog. Yeah, the actor. Yeah. 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 yeah he's and like, he's- I came on and provided the originality. I'm like, what originality? <laughs> Um, and then it had like a saw twist at the ending and it seemed like a setup for a sequel. Boy, it was that we were I don't, not getting. What a, that was a movie I forgot about too until I saw the headline. Yeah. Uh, reboot. Great. Uh, th- look, you could make a good Tomb Raider movie. You could like, you I could also make a good uncharted movie and they just, they, <laughs> I, the uncharted movie was fine. I guess, but we still like these shouldn't be that hard. Just no. write an Indiana Jones movie and substitute the main character. I, I don't understand the difficult nature of it. I mean, they've made good games around them, so mm-hmm. with compelling stories, is it that hard to make a good movie about it? It um, should not. So, be. reboot, good. Broke off for me. Uh, <laughs> although I do like Alicia Vikander. Um, yeah. So I don't know uh, who would be a good Lara Croft. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I'll give it a Bergeron. All right, sweet. Any other news, Holden? 
Yeah, uh, one more thing, uh, which will not be a great transition because we're not going to go directly into this, but it does have to do with something we're talking about today. Uh, the Gray Man, uh, it was announced since its release this last uh, within the last couple weeks that there is a direct sequel and also a spinoff happening for this movie. Um, for the sequel, the Russo brothers and Ryan Gosling are both returning on uh, the spinoff is apparent it's not said what the spinoff is going to be focusing on but it's going to be written by the deadpool writers paul wernick and rhett reese okay (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that is not a great financial decision no i think there's going to be diminishing returns with this and probably significantly (laughs) immediate diminishing returns i don't think you can like a sequel is not going to do as well (laughs) um and i mean we'll get into the reviews but i didn't even hate this movie Mm -hmm. i actually had a decent time but this is the franchise you're going all in on why (laughs) i don't know um we need we need like the blonde cinematic universe that looks more promising (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you just want your NC-17 movies, Holden. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a Bombadil from me. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a Bombadil as well, because I just... <laughs> I like, we're watching... We're kind of watching a general downward spiral of Netflix, and I feel like this is just going to like push it even farther. <laughs> that's going to be another $200 million down the drain. Yeah, I I don't understand why you would do that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for movie news. Was there any gaming news this week, Jimmy? Oh, shoot. Um, I cannot remember. Off the top of my head, I'm sure there was. I did. There was like a new uh, Gotham Knights thing, and it just still looks bad in my opinion. Um, I still have not watched anything since the very first like demo. It just looks like a game that came out in 2007. It just looks it graphically. Some parts of it look good and other parts look terrible. And (laughs) the animations are very shoddy for something that's coming out in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, and the the dialogue is horrible. <laughs> the lady, the Batgirl goes into this. She's like doing this detective work, and she goes in this room, and there's like everything's destroyed. And she goes, "That's a lot of damage." <laughs> and it's like it's like worse than like the worst Marvel dialogue. It's <laughs> it's it's um, bad. I mean, some people uh, think it looks okay. I do not. I would yeah, not consider myself more, part of that. I've seen more, I guess, positive things than I was expecting, but it's still overall like mixed. I think, I think IGN will give it a six and a half out of ten, and that will be generous <laughs> from what I've seen. My big thing is, I what, like, I hope it. <laughs> I almost, I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, well, if it has a really good story, maybe I could just get through the gameplay. But mm-hmm. uh, the dialogue just is so bad. And they like in this little demo thing, it was like the first 16 minutes of the game. There was this one uh, gang mm-hmm. that was like destroying this college for no reason. <laughs> and the dialogue from then was terrible. It, just, it was just quirky. It felt like Joel Schumacher, Batman. Oh, great. Um, 
and it didn't seem like that's what they were going for either. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, look, would love to be proven wrong. I at one point I was very much looking forward to that project before they announced what it was exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Oof. I, I'll you know what I'll give it the benefit of the doubt to some extent. I, I once again I haven't seen a lot of it, but I remember when like the Guardians of the Galaxy game was first revealed. I thought that looked kind of bad. I didn't think the gameplay looked very good. I thought the dialogue was really bad. And I think that they just like picked the worst jokes for that reveal cuz I thought like the dialogue and the story in the Guardians of the Galaxy game was actually very good once I played it. So hmm. um I don't know. I mean, that is a completely different game, so hard to compare them. We'll see. Yeah, um I I'll, I mean, I I started playing Guardians of the Galaxy, so I can talk about what, oh. what are you doing? Very good game. Yeah, right. Like, incorrect. Like, better. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, it's supposed to be like kind of a, a, a pleasant surprise. I, I'm like, they're very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we can talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, just does not look good to me. So that is all I have to say about that. I know they showed things with like PSVR two. You can see the room and create your own. Um, player area and all that that like the rift s could do and all that oh the used to be the oculus quest 2 now the meta quest 2 is now just a hundred dollars more i saw that yeah out of nowhere so guess i just won't recommend that to people anymore (laughs) um otherwise i think that's all i've got holden Sweet. Uh, with that, then we'll get on to our reviews of the latest two episodes of Better Call Saul, episodes 10 and 11. Yes, titled Nippy, Nippy and, and Breaking Bad. Yep, Nippy and Breaking Bad. So we'll dive into that. Spoilers right now. All right, so it's been a bit since we have talked about better call Saul. actually it hasn't been that long but because we're recording this two days late we can actually talk about the episode that came out last night as well so yeah uh pretty excited um let's just start with nippy to start um full spoilers for better call Saul thus far um that just goes for all of our tv episode reviews not holding back um holding sutter yeah weird (laughs) yeah um anyway nippy jimmy what'd you think of this episode this episode caught me completely off guard i was Mm -hmm. not prepared for it same and look to be 100 percent honest i'm gonna prefer the previous three episodes any day of the week like i just prefer that style Same. same exciting on the edge of your seat sort of kind of stuff and at first I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of a letdown. But then thinking it's, once the episode concluded and really digesting it, it was like, no, this is a good episode that sets up the rest of the show. And yeah, it's a it's a great way because it's almost like a fake out finale. Like a lot of things end or come to a natural conclusion in this episode. Like so you think about Gene Takovic. Mm-hmm. throughout this that thing they've been setting up he's got this thing with jeff um who was recasted we can talk about that too because mm-hmm. um, that also threw me off guard um and one of the things that was hard for me to adjust to right away but now i'm i'm fine with it um so 
Gene, his big issue going into the season is, oh, I got this Jeff guy who's identified me. I need to take care of this problem. He tells uh, Robert Forrester's character he's going to handle it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that in the most Jimmy McGill way possible by coming <laughs> up with this elaborate con, you know, and gotta love Jerry Gergich. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jim O'Hare, I think is the actor's name, being there, eating the Cinnabons, talking Husker football, Holden. Oh, yeah. And I I was embarrassed by how much I knew, like, about what he was talking about. Like, Martinez, everything he was, huh? Yeah. Well, everything he was talking about was, like, accurate for the time that this is set. Like, it, it is, like, actual Nebraska football, you know, players and coaches and all of that and i'm like oh my gosh why do i know this i hate this i don't like like it's just because i grew up there like i don't even like football but i was just i it's so part of the culture anyway <laughs> uh yeah so yeah as soon as they started talking football i'm like is he talking huskers <laughs> uh and of course yeah he was because you know they're in omaha i figured mm-hmm. um so that 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 all is great. You got Jeff doing the 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 scam. I was like, oh my gosh, this is way too many things. Quit while you're ahead the whole time. <laughs> There's no possible way that someone could do all that in three minutes. Um, but that was exciting to watch. I loved the fake out with the maintenance worker because mm-hmm. the whole time I was like, okay, when's the maintenance worker coming? And then he Jeff slips and falls, and you're like, oh, oh, the maintenance worker was there already. And that's why he fell. They didn't put like a wet floor sign because it's the end of the day. Yeah. He's going to be walking by there uh, other than them. So that was a great thing. And again, I love how like Jimmy becomes vulnerable and honest in order to distract uh, Jerry Gergich. Yeah. <laughs> for a Because I don't remember the character's name. The security guard. Um, and it's like I love how the only times he can really actually be honest about his feelings is when he's just using them to manipulate someone else (laughs) that's true yeah which is great and uh yeah and they uh ended up pulling off the heist he's got them because hey look all these things you you know cross this threshold so this is 10 years in prison and this is 10 years in prison and this is 10 years in prison so unless you want to go to, to jail for 30 years you can't mention any of this to anybody perfect scheme mm-hmm. i love kind of the play on the walter white like we're done when i say we're done and he's like say we're done you know kind of a inversion of that or like the reciprocal of that something like that yeah um i mean yeah that's the walter white connections just get stronger in the next episode oh but, yes um it's interesting parallel since it hasn't really been a big presence in this whole show but eh. Yeah. Um, um, and then, of course, at the end, you have him going through that store looking at the, you know, bombastic shirts and ties and outfits that Saul Goodman would wear. And he's kind of putting one together, but he let, he hangs it back up on the rack, like rejecting Saul Goodman. I'm done with that. And that could be the end of your show right there. Mm-hmm. But there's three more episodes. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, the intro, too. Um, how oh it yeah, is completely basically disintegrated into the the blue screen mm-hmm. from the working VHS. Uh, is a nice nice touch that they've done over the years. Yeah, um, I think just one of the biggest things about this episode is like we were talking about in the last episode how we were we were certain 
that like at least one or two episodes were going to be set during Breaking Bad. Like we, that's what we figured where this was going, especially that after how uh, fun and games ended. Um, but no, nah, it's just we're back to the Gene stuff, which I I think is is working better than initially. Like when I started the episode, I was like, oh okay, we're to the Gene stuff. I was kind of looking forward to an episode or two in the Breaking Bad timeline, but. I guess this kind of, I don't know if this makes it stand more on its own because you still have like the flashbacks in the next episode, but I guess it's not quite as reliant on having seen Breaking Bad. Um. Well, yeah, Nippy is definitely, um, is not reliant, yeah, but I yeah. would say that, uh, <laughs> so Emily has not seen Breaking Bad and uh, through that episode, Breaking Bad. I had to explain a lot to her because she's okay, like, I would fair. be lost if <laughs> I didn't know it was if you weren't here. Um, so there's that. But a um, couple of things we have. Uh, um, we have the Jeff recast. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice that, Alden, when you were watching? I knew about it before going into the episode, so I was expecting it. I, I had seen... Um, I don't remember when I saw that the the recast had happened. I don't even know. It might have been. It might have actually been after like the first time he was introduced. So I was like, okay, I, I understand who this character is. Um, and then I saw, oh, he was recast because of like some conflicts with filming. So I, it didn't catch me off guard at all. Well, I didn't know. I knew that I figured out who the character was right away. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know he was recast. I at first I was like, this guy has a completely different vibe. Yeah, than the last guy. He's way less intimidating. Um, which, okay, whatever. I mean, they obviously probably didn't have a huge plan for that Jeff character when they first created him. Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't assume that, but it seems like it seemed like a major character shift for this character that really hasn't been established at all. So yeah, whatever for, that I, it just took me a second to adjust to it. Cause I didn't know it was happening. Apparently the guy who does play Jeff though, is like a huge fan of the, uh, both series. Okay. I see for me, the shift didn't really matter because like, yeah, he is really, he's more intimidating in the other appearances, but this, and this actor, the entire time he's been on the show, like, Jimmy's pretty much been in control of the situation. Oh, definitely. So, so like him being a little more reserved doesn't really like it doesn't seem too much of a shift to me. Yeah, it, except he would. I don't think Jimmy would have given up that he was Saul Goodman to this actor in the same situation. You know, because yeah, he really yeah. presses him and he's intimidating. And that would that's uh, what kind of gets him to say it. And I don't. It's just weird that he had the power dynamic in that scene, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, he has completely does not have the power dynamic at all, which was just a little jarring. Does it break the show? No, I it I don't it. I thought it was fine. It just took me a second to adjust to that, mm-hmm. and it's weird that it just stands out because you don't really see inconsistencies like that in. Uh, Breaking Bad and in Better Call Saul, they're so tightly written yeah. that it kind of stands out a little bit more to me than it would in another show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then, of course, we have Carol Burnett, too. Yeah, that's kind of with um, uh, 
what's his name the security guard as well this this and the next episode have just like very it's like people that i like kind of recognize from things and then i'm i have to look it up i'm like oh okay and like breaking bad better call saul typically hasn't had that where it's like almost everyone save for like bob odenkirk and um uh, Brian Cranston like almost everyone in those shows are like people I've never seen before in other things and now it's like it's like people I kind of recognize you have Carol Burnett you have um the security I, I just can't remember is Jerry from Parks and Rec. I think it's Jim O'Hare is the actor's okay. name I yeah, think I can right. look it up here um but in the next episode you have Buzz from Home Alone <laughs> and um uh he uh the I guess getting ahead of myself here a bit, but the guy with cancer at the end of the episode is a, like a main character on big bang theory. <laughs> okay. He looks familiar to me. Yeah. He's like a major character on that show. And so it's just like, all, I, I don't mind it. It doesn't really take me out. It's just, I, I guess it gives this whole era of gene a different vibe for me or it adds to the different vibe. Yeah. I, yeah, it was interesting. So I guess we can transition a little bit into, well, did, did you, I kind of interrupted you. Did you want to say anything about Carol Burnett? Well, I, you know, the, <laughs> of course, Jean winning her over, you know, saying all the nice being, things and he gets that elder so, law. <laughs> he's yeah. channeling his elder law self again. Yeah. And he's, and she is just the sweet old lady and plays that up even more in the next episode, but breaks uh, her scooter, (laughs) (laughs) which is, yeah. Who names a dog nippy by the way? I don't know. Horrible. That's like the one awful thing in the, (laughs) the whole scheme there. Not, not convincing. Oh, did also um before we move on, I want to I the trial run part of the the heist where they like set it up in a field and everything. Yeah. I thought that was really clever and fun and I didn't like initially when he's walking through the stores and taking steps, I was like I don't really know exactly what he's doing, but I like how that all paid off. I was like, "Oh, he's like setting up a track or something." Mm-hmm. Is what I thought. And then, yeah. So, I liked the whole mantra too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, the episode I prefer of these two is Breaking Bad. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was the great blend of Jimmy McGill's past stuff and Gene Takovich, Gene Takovich's current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, starting out with Francesca, um, was great in black and white because you're like, oh boy, things are going to start connecting now. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently sometime in season four, I think probably when the flash forward, when he's, you know, has to get rid of all his stuff and he's about to go visit the vacuum guy. I think he says like, Oh, I'll meet you for a call or something. Yeah, he does. Um, which I do not remember. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He says that. And I actually, I had kind of forgotten about that whole, uh, thread. And then when I saw it come back, I was like, Oh yeah. Glad they didn't just forget about that. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> there are a lot of great, funny moments in this episode, too. Uh, Francesca telling the guys to plunge it with the up and down motion that they're used to. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment. Um, Gene asking if uh, that lawyer, was <laughs> he switched sides. Oh, he's gay? No. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. He's a defense attorney or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That was funny. 
Um, but yes, the phone call, the mysterious phone call where uh, he finds out that Kim asked about him, tries to yeah. get a hold of her. She works at like a, was it Lawn Care? What was it again? It was a sprinkler store. Sprinkler, yeah. And uh, apparently the conversation did not go well. I think that he didn't actually reach her. You don't think so? That was my first thought, but the rest of the episode, he just goes full Saul Goodman again. That um, I had, either the conversation between them didn't go well, or he found out that she had like moved on to a different place, and now he has no way of, he doesn't know where she is. He has no way of contacting her. He doesn't know where to start. That sort of thing would be my two theories for that. Yeah, but, um, to me, I just feel like. Um, I, even though I like that we don't hear exactly what he says to whoever he says it to, I just, I feel like if it was Kim, it would be almost too big to not include. Um, well, I know that. So Thomas Schnaz, one of the producers mm-hmm. it said that we will get more of that conversation. Okay. Um, and I do have a quote from him. In an interview from The Hollywood Reporter, I do want to read later okay. in this review. But we can do so kind of after we break down what's the, the other parts of this episode. So he develops the scam. He's Victor again. He's, an, he's the other, uh, you know, his scheming, public scheming persona. He's singing karaoke. He's definitely not on the, the down low anymore. No, um, he's, he's slipping Jimmy. Slipping Jimmy's got the little uh, kind of what do you want to call it the bag under his uh clothes that can soaks up all the alcohol Mm -hmm. um through the tube and he's he's conning people who uh these single financial investors seems to be the target stealing their information and selling it uh on the black market um what'd you think about these cons holden uh i thought it was especially the first one which we pretty much see in full um i like just seeing the whole process and thought it was a pretty clever con as well fully utilizing all three members and i didn't know exactly what it was they were stealing and it turns out it's just their information and everything which is cool very modern twist i guess which is also more sneaky than your average heist um but yeah, and the first one is uh, Buzz from Home Alone. So, oh, didn't know that. Yeah, um, yeah, because and you could totally get away with it too, because they wouldn't know that it's happened until a while no. later, which is yeah. great, and they wouldn't expect you, some random guy at the bar that one night that you ripped off. And he like in he makes sure that they get like really drunk to the point where if once they get drugged by the barbiturates, like they could easily just write that off as like, oh, I got way too drunk last night. Yeah. So. Um, and so it happens again and again. Uh, I great montages too in these last couple episodes. Yeah, I would add. Yeah. Um, and then Holden, we get uh, the last guy. And it's a guy suffering from cancer. Yeah. Stuart from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Taking pills with alcohol. I'm like, should he be? I'm like, why is he doing that? And then Gene or uh, Victor, I guess, is like, should you be doing that? <laughs> um, but then, of course, the Breaking Bad parallels come in to play. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you get um, him going to. I loved the cross cut, be- or the parallels between Saul going to visit Walter at the school um, when he could have cut off ties, and him walking up to the house, and how they match those scenes as like this is the point of no return for Gene. Yeah. I like that the episode is titled Breaking Bad because the whole episode in in some ways kind of feels like just an accelerated version of that show where like he gets this scam that he knows he's good at and then he starts doing really, really well and he just doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then that let's I'll pull up the, the Thomas Schnaz uh, quote now. So here's what he said with The Hollywood Reporter. He said, Jimmy's not desperate for money. He still has the diamonds in a little band-aid case, and Francesca mentions all the money that he got, got away with, and he kind of sloughs it off. He is not desperate for money. He's not doing this for money at all. He's doing this because something about the phone call brought up a lot of pain and hurt. And as we know from the past, and all that went down with Howard Hamlin and Kim uh, hiding the truth about Lalo and the reasons why she did it, and the breakup that happened, it all caused a lot of pain that pushed him into going full Saul Goodman. He's been Gene for a while now, but he, had, but he had a little taste of Saul Goodman or Slippin' Jimmy or whatever you want to call it in episode um, six or episode 10 of season six with the mall scam. He was able to push that aside, but something on that phone call upset him so much that the pain welled up again and he had to go back to his drug of choice, which is Saul Goodman, to numb mm-hmm. the pain. So he's doing none of this for money. I don't think he gives a crap about any of the money. As we see in the montage, he just shoves it in a hole and leaves it uh, there. The money is really secondary. I mean, it's part of the game. It's how you keep the score. How much money you how much money you earn during these scams is a way of scorekeeping how successful you are. That's the only reason he cares about the money. It's like how many points did I score today? Um, which is pretty similar to Walter White too. It's like mm-hmm. things don't hit the fan with, I mean, things really get intense when they go after Walter's money. And once they have Walt's money, that's, that's the, his breaking point right? he loses it. And he's like, I need to kill Jesse and la 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 la. Yeah. So I thought that was great. And it's, yeah. he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it because he's gotta be solved. Just like fun, just like Walt perfected making meth and then it just kind of became a this repetitious process um that he just couldn't stop mm-hmm. and uh it's it's hard because the whole time that that last guy you're just screaming don't don't do it he's even given an out by both of his partners yeah um yet he uh he refuses to give in and then just breaks into the guy's house. Yeah. Um, I don't think things are going to go well for no. Mr. Takovic. Uh, uh, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Uh, should probably talk about the Walt and Jesse scene. Yes. Um, yeah. So we got the long awaited return of Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul as Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Uh, it flashes back to the scene from season two where uh, they it's in the first episode where Saul's introduced and they kidnap him and like threaten him. But then he kind of talks his way out of it like he manages to do so often. Um, 
but yeah, so it kind of shows after the aftermath of him being kidnapped and then the conversation they have in the RV and everything. And um, let me just say that RV set looks kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was like way too wide. That's I R- thought that too. I was like, there's no way that an RV is this wide. Yeah, I did. I had the same thought. Uh, that that's honestly like the only r- real complaint I have about these two episodes uh, is just that the RV set looked kind of <laughs> bad. But um, uh, yeah. Aside from that, I enjoyed the scene. Um, Jesse sounds a lot different. That's also a thing. But I think that's just Aaron Paul as he's gotten older. Um, so can't really do much about that. But I liked them both. Both good. Yeah, I I thought it was a nice scene. Um. And you get to hear him talk about Lalo and explain that and how it's nothing and, and all that. And you get the just it's good to see Walt and Jesse again. I don't think they were too distracting. No. Thought it was a, a nice touch. Uh, yeah. I mean, like people were I, I think a lot of people are really disappointed about these two episodes from what I can tell online. Um, really? I Yeah. Um, hmm. Just in general circles. Maybe I know you go on like reddit and stuff i don't i don't know about the that, subreddit but. is loving them okay um and they're, they're uh they're highly rated on imdb too yeah i just uh, some outspoken people that don't like it i know one of the complaints is that you know walter they didn't like walter and jesse's scene because it was like unnecessary but um i don't know i i think it's good that they didn't you know just steal the show because it isn't their show (laughs) like i mean they're both still very good they fell into the role very easily and it was nice seeing them again but it's also good that this episode is not just you know gonna be remembered because of that yeah i mean i mean so nippy has an 8.6 and breaking bad has a 9.3 on imdb so they're in line with the rest of the season Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed uh, Breaking Bad specifically because I thought it was the great balance of everything. And I don't know. I Sure, is it a little fan servicey? Yes, but these two characters are integral to Saul's story. Yeah. So it's, I guess, I can see, to me, it's no more, it's definitely no more fan servicey than El Camino like mm-hmm. um and so you know if you have issues with el camino maybe i could see you having some issues with this but even still with el camino i feel like even though some of those flashbacks didn't need to happen i feel like they all still serve jesse and that story pretty well um and i feel the same way about this yeah so i liked the goldfish reference too mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the which is also class. on the poster for this episode yeah because I, yeah, I was telling Emily before it happened, I'm like, this is the poster. Now, what do we think that means? I'm like, uh, but uh, I will see if there's any more Walt and Jesse. I, would, I wouldn't think so. But uh, one thing I, I do want to mention, or go ahead. I was going to say, I thought I had, I don't know if this was an interview I watched or, um, well, so I've been watching a lot of cast interviews for this season with like Bob Odenkirk and stuff. And someone I feel like said, about the Walt and Jesse thing at some point that they pop up a couple times. So we might get another scene with them. I don't know. Maybe. I will expect not. And then it will be great if it happens. Yeah. Same. Uh, Now that they have their big bronze statues in Albuquerque, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
one thing, a couple of things I do want to mention. First off, that one dog that was on the heist, very well behaved. Yeah, very cute. <laughs> um, two, I'm not sure how the duct tape thing works with the doors, because can't they tell it? It looked, I don't know. I'm not going to think too mean? hard about it. Uh, and lastly, a lot of theories going around that um, Carol Burnett's character on her computer is going to stumble on, upon some Saul Goodman ads. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that's what that's building towards. Well, at first, when I was first watching it, I'm like, oh, is she going to go check on what's in the garage? What's going mm-hmm. on? Because she can see Jimmy kind of dismissing that you know that one guy with the dog he picks up the dog doesn't really treat it very nicely and he's supposedly like this loving dog owner who wants to find you know who's desperate mm-hmm. to find nippy and she sees this happening and he kind of dismisses her with the cat videos and all that so carol burnett's getting suspicious um predictions for the for the rest of the for the next couple episodes hold and then we can go on um I honestly don't know. I mean, I, we're in some shape or form. We're gonna get Kim. I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure on that. Um, but aside from that, I don't know. Cause like initially my thought, and I don't know if we talked about this last week, but initially my thought was like, well, maybe, um, you know, he'll get arrested by doing something like this, and then Kim could be his lawyer or something. You like, but Kim, but can't she's be a lawyer. yeah, she's not doing that anymore. Um, so I don't know. I I really don't know <laughs> where this is going. Um, so the next episode is called Waterworks. Then it's Saul gone. Uh, yeah. Some people are kind of pointing out that Waterworks is a reference to. Uh, one of the spaces very close to jail on the Monopoly board. Now that I think about it, Waterworks could also be a reference to Kim working at the sprinkler yeah, company. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, it could, you know, Waterworks meaning a lot of tears, obviously. So it could be any of those three things or a combination or of all, them. Yeah, all three. I, like, so, but it, if Gene gets arrested, he can represent himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a natural place for the show to go. I I was even talking about this to Emily. I'm like, this would. I don't know if they would. I don't think they're going to go in this direction. But I was like, what if the Howard stuff comes back up? Things get really hot for uh, Jimmy and Kim in terms of the law, and they're like breathing down their necks. It looks like they're both going to go to jail, and Jimmy just takes the full blame for it and just says like, I did it. I shot Howard. I did it all to like save Kim. And maybe like even gets like uh, executed or something. Um, I don't know if New Mexico has the death penalty, but um, just because it's like okay, he can't live. He can't like a, he just can't be a good. He can't live uh, as Jimmy without Kim, and they can't be together because they're bad for the world together. But when Jimmy tries to live without Kim, he's just can't do it. So it's like, well, can maybe his purpose is to die for Kim? I don't think they would do that. I I think it's dark. I don't think they would go there. But no, there could be a way that it works. I don't expect it to happen. That's just no. a wild theory. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, I don't think I don't think he's gonna die in any shape or form. Um, just because 
I mean, they already did that in Breaking Bad. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they, they want to distance. Like, I mean, yeah, there are the parallels there, but I don't think they want you to. I feel like that would just cement him as another Walter White after what we've seen, like with these last couple episodes. The, the parallels would be drawn even uh, further. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but he wouldn't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I have no idea. I don't. I don't think it'll be a, a ha- an extremely happy ending. I think it'll be bittersweet. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. All right, sweet Holden. Uh, should we get on to one of our movie reviews? Yeah, let's do the Gray Man. All right, the Gray Man. All right, so The Gray Man uh, is a new Netflix action movie directed by the Russo brothers of the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame fame. Um, but uh, it's starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, um, other people that are in it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this movie, I was like, initially before anything came out about, I was like fully on board. I'm like, awesome. Russo brothers directing a big movie for Netflix with Ryan Gosling and everyone sounds awesome. The trailer came out. We were both kind of disappointed with it. We were like, this doesn't look that great. (laughs) Um, and then came out, reviews were pretty mixed. Um, but Jimmy, what'd you think of this movie? I thought it was stupid fun fine it was a. it's like let's just do john wick but and mission impossible but not really real (laughs) yeah just like not as good and a generic story but ryan gosling is really cool Mm i i love ryan gosling he might be my favorite actor yeah he's He's up there he's just cool um but I, I mean, I had fun. I actually watched this in two sittings. I didn't watch it all at once, um, which was probably <laughs> enhanced my enjoyment of the movie. Oh, I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it did not drag on for me. It was absurd. They, you know, like at the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker when they go to eight different planets in like ten minutes. That's like this whole movie is yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. So. Um- the uh, the Russo brothers um, are, are at this point, especially with their various Marvel movies, they do this thing where they just like have the name of the city in big, bold letters on top of the frame whenever there's an establishing shot. And that's they watch CinemaSins on YouTube like they they actively do. And they've said that. And one of the things CinemaSins will sometimes point out is they, they think it's really funny when something says like Paris, France or something like, oh, of course, it's Paris, like France, who can't just say Paris. Um, so that's I think that's one of the reasons why they do it. But it, this is a rare case where half like there were a few times where I did not know where this city was located. It's just like some more obscure European city. I'm like, where where is this at? I <laughs> Like, I don't have any sense in the world for where this is. <laughs> uh, London is in the UK, Olden. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, they probably got in Budapest. But. I didn't realize that the one guy, and we won't spoil things here, but there's one character in it. It's the Bridgerton guy. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was the, the steamy Bridgerton guy. Yeah. He was pretty terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> in my opinion, I thought his character was just well, yeah. awful. And not not necessarily anything against the actor, but the writing for him was just so bad. It was all like, I went to Harvard and I went up the ranks and it's just like the most generic, terrible dialogue. And a lot of characters actually, I feel like... Chris Evans probably has the most entertaining like dialogue overall, but a lot of the other characters, like it's just kind of it's either bland or it's bad. <laughs> I don't know. It just wasn't really impressed with that. And it is I you know what? I I hate when everyone likes to compare it to that, but it is a little too Marvel quippy for me, this movie was. Yeah, I, like I mean, like I said, I watched in two sittings. I really do. I was. I don't. I watched this like a week and a half ago, too. By the mm-hmm. way, almost two weeks ago. So, what I remember is every scene is an action scene. There's so much CGI. It is like if you took the Mission Impossible movies and instead of doing things for real, they just didn't do anything. <laughs> There's a yeah. There's a shot in this movie where it's like this person falls out of the plane and they're like fighting or something. The entire shot is animated and yeah. it is obvious. It looks like Spider-Man 3, uh, Spider-Man fi- fighting New Goblin falling through the air. Yeah, the CG doubles are horrible. <laughs> so blatant. Um, it, immersion it, breaking. It's astounding because like, this movie has a $200 million budget, as I mentioned before. And yeah, you have Ryan Gosling, you have Chris Evans, and you have other pe- like characters or actors people recognize, but it's not like they're all like a com- like like that level. It's not like, you know, the Bridgerton guy is, is in a bunch of Marvel movies. So it's not like all of the budget is going to the actors or anything. I don't know where it went exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I. So, again, of of the big two hundred million dollar Netflix blockbusters with A list actors, I prefer this one uh, over Red Notice. Oh yeah, uh, anytime. It's not even a competition for me. <laughs> God, uh, which I was looking more forward to Red Notice too. Um, but I again, I thought this was fine. I watched the uh, honest trailers for it today to remind mm-hmm. me. Uh, kind of what happens and they compare it to like a book you would just get at the airport which this <laughs> is based on a book apparently and i'm like yes this is a book you would get at an airport um but that's fine we can have dumb fun movies too uh, yeah. i just don't know why you would spend 200 million dollars on them when you're I- a streaming service yeah, um, I was having a lot of fun with this movie until it got to the really, you see it in the trailer, the, the scene with like the tram or the, the bus or whatever that is, and then there's like an hour left of the movie. <laughs> like, it got to that point, I was like, okay, so this is like, I feel like this could either be the climax or this, there's, it's close to the end or something, and I paused it and it's like, oh, there's an hour left of this movie. <laughs> and then it was just like a slog for the rest of it for me i was like oh my god this is so long that prominent uh bollywood actor or well i can't remember his name now yeah shows up too and <laughs> i don't know there was oh yeah okay never mind i'm 
I don't want to get into spoilers yet. It's on yeah. Netflix. If you want to watch a dumb movie that's kind of like John Wick, kind of like Mission Impossible, but not as good as those, I, uh, you go ahead if you have Netflix. Uh, but just break it up into a couple parts and go on your phone while you're watching it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's <laughs> fairly inoffensive. Uh, for me, the biggest issues are just the length and the CG and the die. I mean, I ragged on the dialogue, but it's more of like nothing to me. Like it's it's, but it is kind of annoying to watch a two-hour movie where the dialogue is just is not that great. Um, like I said, Chris Evans has some funny lines. He says the really dumb omelet line from the trailer. Yeah, make an omelet. You got to kill some people. Um, Yeah, I like lines like that. Keep that up. Get rid of the rest. (laughs) What about the Ken Barbie reference? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know if that was like because this movie has been in the works for a while. I don't know if that was like it's totally intentional. You think so? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely caught it. I was like, oh, nice job. Oh yeah. All right, uh, I'm ready to give my rating, Olden, and go on to spoilers. Oh, uh, the little girl is the little girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Didn't realize that. Yep. Uh, I will say six out of ten. I, yeah, I think that's eh, maybe I'll go five point five. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable there. Yeah. Um. Again, is it horrible? No. I think it's fine. I think it's a good time. If you like this movie, good for you. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know why people are... I don't think it deserves as much hate as some people are giving it. Um, it's Nobody's like claiming it's a masterpiece, I don't think. So. No. It's just a good time. Just, you know, you're just supposed to turn your brain off, you know, with these <laughs> movies, you know, like this and Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, maybe we just like... Maybe I just enjoy bad movies now. Nah, I, I yeah, I mean, I agree though. I think this movie is it's fine. Like, will I is, watch it again? No, no, I won't even rewatch it and prep for the next one when that comes out. But it is. I didn't hate it like I hated Red Notice. This movie yeah. didn't feel as much of a uh, like a money laundering scheme like Red Notice did. <laughs> Red Notice was just a slog for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's talk about spoilers all right spoilers for the gray man um yeah if you if you haven't seen this and you don't want to get spoiled skip ahead to our review of marcel the shell with shoes on but otherwise jimmy what do we have for spoilers um i did want to bring up how the guy uh danush or danish or yeah, however, Danush. Uh, he <laughs> he just like changes his mind mid fight <laughs> about these people. I guess. Yeah, he has this complete flip, and I I so like usual before this podcast, I was scrubbing through it just to kind of remind myself, and I didn't even like really see like it. It's not even like hinted at in the slightest at all <laughs> it's just it it feels like there was a scene or two cut with that character well no there like there is like a reference like oh i'm gonna kill the niece now he's like you're gonna kill a kid he's like this is the part where you leave and don't ask questions or be on your merry way or whatever he says mm-hmm. but 
he still like tries to kill Ana de Armas like for half of that scene. So it's like, why did you change your mind then? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seems like he was a good action star though, but not a ton to do in this movie. It just kind of shows up at one point. Yeah. Like in the third act, he's just there or no. Well, tram set piece on. He's just there. Yeah. And then he's not. Um, but yeah, uh, Jessica Henwick in this movie is just doing nothing. She's like a very talented, like she she knows martial arts and stuff, and you just don't have her do any of that. Okay, whatever. Well, why do that when she could sit in a room and and be like, "Hey, Lloyd, don't be doing this stuff." <laughs> hey, we went to Harvard together. <laughs> well, I went to Harvard too, and we're all Harvard buddies. And- <laughs> Uh, the thing I love about this movie is like, oh yeah, Lloyd's the guy because he, he went into the private sector because he just didn't follow any of the rules and now he does all this stuff and that's why we you got to go with Lloyd. It's like, well, no, you don't go to the private sector in real life if that's you. You go to jail. <laughs> like, you, yeah. <laughs> you don't get to go and get away with that stuff. And if, if you're in the private sector, you just still go to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like you're outside the bounds of the law. Just because you're operating independently. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, this movie is dumb. Um, uh, there's so much CGI. Those fireworks <laughs> are going off for like 15 <laughs> minutes at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that. Uh, so you, last week I think you had mentioned the firework fight scene. I was like, oh, that sounds really dumb. And it is pretty dumb, but it was kind of funny. Like... I think the set pieces in this, like if it wasn't so obviously CG, I think it could be a lot of fun. And maybe if this well, that's movie was... what I, I was going to say, like, if you tweak this movie, mm-hmm. it could be a very solid Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Like you have this guy operating in kind of the, the gray area. There you go. But, uh, but you just replace Ryan Gosling with Tom Cruise and oh no they're gonna take him out again and they hired this guy who's kind of shady and they have these set pieces but they do them for real and you just Mm -hmm. dial down the insanity of of all the other stuff going on i feel like there's a a decent film in there but uh again for what it is it's fine (laughs) i had a good time yeah i just this movie needs to be a like I want to say it needs to be more tongue-in-cheek, but, like, they joke all the time. But, like, I guess with the action set pieces, it feels like whenever they're not talking, this movie is taking itself very seriously. And then, like, they'll quip here and there. Well, Um, Bridgerton boy is, like, super serious all the time. He's like, well, I was the Harvard guy. (laughs) That's, like, the only thing we can remember about him is (laughs) the Harvard guy. And I just need you to kill Ryan Gosling and don't ask any questions because just trust me, I went to Harvard. (laughs) Yeah. um, But, yeah, like, the, the firework action set piece, fun, kind of bad looking but fun um the the tram bus thing 
fun a lot more fun than i was expecting yes still looks still looks pretty bad but like but i i mean i like the car with the grenade launcher on it um i like how stupid the whole gunfight in this square is when ryan gosling is just <laughs> hiding the whole time he's just behind the bench yeah uh but that that whole sequence is probably my favorite part of the movie honestly um i can see why a lot of the marketing was pushing that but, i agree um and yeah, and I think maybe that's also why I felt like the after the movie it just dragged because I didn't, never really reached that height again. Um, there is some like decent hand to hand stuff in it, but also some bits that feel like way too choreographed. Um, so I don't know. I I think a little bit more time could have maybe a little bit more of the CG budget could have been spent on that. I I mean I don't have a problem with things being choreographed. I mean like. I just like for me the action set pieces. I like it when there's a story in the action set piece, like Jackie yeah. Chan. Like you no, know, like I, it's ridiculous and highly choreographed <laughs> and obvious, but like it's really entertaining to watch. And he he leans into it. Where I mean, no, I'm I just, thought I, they did that to an extent here, but yeah, for me when I mean choreographed, I just mean it looks like like actors are like preparing to like you know like they're just running through what they're told to do. It doesn't really look like people fighting. Um, which I think, you know, there is a, a tough balance there, but it's something that like the John Wick movies and some other modern action movies do a lot better. Okay. I don't have a ton more to say about this, Holden. What do you um, think? Ana de Armas is in this and completely wasted, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I Lots of times I forget she's in this. Like, I think she's a very good actress and I just like, and she's also like, good with action as we saw in no time to die but i feel like even with the action scenes in this she's not really given a ton to do and her character is pretty nothing to be honest with you i don't really remember some things that happened this week because i had two weeks ago and i will not watch it again (laughs) um yeah i think that's pretty much it for me um yeah i think i'm good all right, sweet. Let's do our non-spoiler review of Marcel the Shell with shoes on. All right, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, the a new A24 movie. Don't let that scare you away for dear uh, queasy viewers. This is not your typical what you may think of an A24 movie. Um, this is much more a kid's film, something that I was not aware of until Jimmy told me to go watch the trailer a few months ago, went and watched it, looked adorable. I've since watched the shorts on YouTube as well, which are also very adorable. They also reuse some of that footage in the movie. Um, but yeah, Jimmy, I guess you want to give a synopsis. The, the title's a, a title's a mouthful. Yeah, so Marcel is a little seashell with an eyeball and and legs, and it he he just lives in this uh, world, but his family's gone except for his grandma, and he would like to find his family. Um, but don't let the trailer fool you because most of this movie is just about his life, just the day to day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so I would just say that I would say the one thing that um I wish I had known before seeing this movie is that I think the trailer makes it seem like he's looking for his family more so than he actually 
does in this movie or the, sure. the amount of time spent on that is not uh, it's not as a big part of the movie as they make it out in the trailer it is a significant part but mostly just like the third act i would say it's more about his just daily life this little eclectic shell guy and this kind of whimsical world that he lives in and this relationship that he has with this uh kind of lonely camera guy who wants to make a documentary about him and make these little web videos yeah um this is like the cutest movie i've ever seen (laughs) it's so (laughs) awesome um yeah it is like as i mentioned it's completely different than you know what you typically expect from a24 because this is a movie that you can very easily take kids to it is i mean ultimately it is a kids movie just i never thought of it as a kids movie it it's very i mean there is like a melancholy undertone throughout the whole thing yeah, there is. I to me, it's a kids movie that just has a lot to offer adults. That's what I took it as. See, and I don't. I don't see it as a kids movie though, because it's not like and there's not lots of big action stuff happening. There's not bright colors. It's very muted. It's very kind of just like oh, matter of fact. Oh, here's what I do. Here's I do this. I don't. I don't really see this as a thing that kids are gonna love. But I don't know. I mean, I think the kids would like the shorts. Would they like this full movie? Might me a little dry for some kids i don't know i don't know regardless this movie is very cute it is very funny it's visually very gorgeous i think and impressive i there's a lot of stuff i don't know how they did a lot of the stuff in this movie um but yeah i quite enjoyed this movie um we saw this movie separately. I saw it Sunday night. Uh, initially, um, we were going to review it on Sunday, but then I got too busy this weekend. So Jimmy saw it. I didn't. But then, since we delayed the podcast, I ended up just seeing it the night we were going to record. So, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's adorable. It's it's just like you go into the sea. Uh, what is it? Won't You Be My Neighbor? Or a beautiful mm-hmm. day in the neighborhood, whatever any of the Mister Rogers movies, just the wholesome feeling you get, and you're like, oh yeah, and just want to cry a little bit, but then you just feel like the world's good place and all that. And uh, if you want that feeling, this movie's for you. It's an yeah. hour and a half too. Yeah, very short. It pretty much just flies by. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a wholesome movie about family, and you know kind of coming to terms with fine well there's a lot of movies coming out recently with the theme of like finding yourself in the world and i feel like this movie covers that as well um yeah i don't know yeah also like loss and stuff like that lots of lots of yeah pretty heavy themes but to me it yeah i guess it still works as a kid's movie and i would still argue it is it's just kind of a more mature kids movie than most okay you are entitled to that opinion holden (laughs) i wouldn't say it's for all kids say it's a little slow and not action-packed for a kids movie yeah well when i was a kid i didn't need to watch pause of fury jimmy so (laughs) (laughs) all right uh anywho uh anything else to say about this movie holden non-spoiler wise yeah um 
I guess I kind of hinted at it before, but so there's uh, this movie, the the shell Marcel is a stop motion little figure. And what I'm impressed by is the editing in this movie where there are so many shots and they're clearly proud of however they do this, but uh, of incorporating that stop motion into just like normal live action footage as well. And it's not even like it's not even it's so incorporated like there's it's so I don't know how to really describe it's it. Seamless. Like, it yeah, it's seamless. It's seamless. The one thing I, I, I would say about this movie is that it feels authentic. It feels like this is a real thing. Yeah. Marcel feels alive. His grandma, this relationship, it all feels so real and tangible in a way that's hard to communicate. I, I talked about it to Emily. I'm like, the way Toy Story kind of made audiences think about what are my kids or excuse me, what are my toys doing when I'm not in the room? It's like this movie, it's like, what are these little things you'd find in a drawer? What kind of personalities do they have? I would say is is a similar thing. It just it feels so well crafted and grounded this world in, mm-hmm. in reality. And I thought that it was so effectively done. Yeah. Um and Jenny Slate's performance as Marcel is very fun and cute. Um she also provided the voice for um the shorts what I, I think also um without actually maybe i'll wait until spoilers to talk about that aspect but um i this movie is cute enough and i kind of mentioned it last week but this cements it for me that i think this is the a good guy to get to make the lilo and stitch live action movie i <laughs> i am yeah. much more eager for that now as someone who holds that movie very dear to my heart there we go. Um, but yeah, I think we're good on terms of that. Oh, the music was pretty good too. I yes, thought it was, it was pretty cute. All right. Um, Sweet rating time, Holden. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a nine. That's where I'm at too. Nine out of ten. Very well done. Uh, I would say it's a must-see movie of the year, uh, and it makes you feel good. So why not see it? Yeah must see go out and see it i do think i saw that all the a24 movies are going to be coming to hbo max sometime or something Ooh. Like that, which is Ooh, I would, would be that. great um but i don't know that for sure so maybe i'll look into that and talk about it later on the pod if i am correct or crazy <laughs> or nice. both uh, right. otherwise spoiler time holden let's do spoiler it spoiler time All right, so the one thing I wanted to talk about that I kind of stopped myself is one of the interesting aspects of this movie is this movie has been made over like eight or nine years, I believe, which makes sense with all the stop motion and everything. That does take a significant amount of time, and I'm sure this movie had like little to no funding going into it, or direct funding. Um, but this so jenny slate and the director were like married in real life uh for a while but over the course of this movie they actually got divorced um or i think maybe they weren't married but they were they were together and they broke up Uh, but they still continued making this movie together but i just felt like that's an interesting aspect considering the like what the character of dean in this movie is going through like a separation yeah 
I don't know if that was anything planned from the start or if this was kind of him writing himself into the movie or whatnot, but just kind of an interesting real world aspect of the movie. Yeah, that is, uh, I did not know that. I did not know they spent that long making this movie. Yeah, I, I, I believe that's what I saw. I can double check uh, just so I'm not spreading misinformation, but yeah. Huh. Interesting bit of trivia there. I did not uh, know that. That does re definitely recontextualize the film a lot, especially like even the uh, couple that the shells are with originally. They uh, go separate, and yeah, they are <laughs> known for arguing. <laughs> yeah, so I do, I mean I don't know. I mean I have I guess I have to imagine that if they're that dedicated to working on this little project together that maybe it wasn't that bad of a breakup but um it yeah that whole aspect is given some new light. Hmm. Um but yeah, let's talk about some of the cute things Marcel does. We've been dancing around it long enough. This little boy is so adorable, and at first it is just like pure, it it feels like a lot of innocence and everything. There is some maturity to the character as well, but um, there's, he's, he's just this naive little shell, and um, introducing us to his world, and that's like half the movie is just him showing like all these things he does as a, as a little shell. He has his little bread room. Uh, which is his bedroom, yeah, the bread a piece room. of bread. <laughs> um, and that's very fun. Uh, he likes to climb up the walls with honey on his feet, which is a good reoccurring bit. Just <laughs> the, the amount of mess he makes with that is so, it's so cute and, and wholesome. Um, I them, will say them being into 60 minutes is just a funny bit too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the bit that I thought the absolute cutest bit for me was him trying to pronounce Mitsubishi. Oh yeah. I like I, I, or uh, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that was good too. But like the Mitsubishi bit, I actually shed a tear out of pure cuteness. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I was so overtaken by how cute this movie was because he's like Mitch, mid or something like that. I can't remember, but the like Jenny Slate's voice for it in and of itself is very cute and adorable. It's a gray Mitsubishi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's part of his like his lack of confidence in the way that's pronounced so he's clearly trying to mumble it but uh yeah just adorable yeah i I mean a lot of this film really boils down to me at the core is the relationship with nan the grandma Mm -hmm. um which was beautiful she had her whole thing with the garden and interacting with the bugs and just understanding you know like marcel clearly cares about her and she clearly cares about him too and in a lot of ways like marcel is dedicating his life to her and and not finding himself so it's like grandma you know i love the the kind of putting her needs aside and and faking it so Mm -hmm. that so marcel will actually do the 60 minutes thing and fulfill his dreams that he is kind of suppressing in order to take care of the needs of nan thought that was great and there yeah. just there are a lot of moments where i just was tearing up um because of the the authenticity of their relationship was palpable 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it made me tear up towards the end of the movie as well. And her, her little the poem she reads uh, before she dies mm-hmm. uh, was was great. Um, but yeah, I, that was an interesting aspect of the movie. I wasn't expecting is is Marcel trying to like hold himself back and take care of Nan uh, instead of going on the 60 minutes thing. And I thought that was a really interesting theme that isn't explored a ton, I guess, in, in a lot of movies I see um, just, you know, what do you sacrifice to take care of family and all of that? And is it worth it? Um, yeah. I liked that. Yeah. And the whole dynamic with Dean is interesting too. It's like, he doesn't want to open up to anybody about, how he feels and doesn't mm-hmm. want to, you know, establish this relationship with Marcel, even though Marcel's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe you wouldn't be so isolated if you actually like opened up to people and, <laughs> and participated in the world. Just calling yeah. them out. I mean, it's, it's cheesy to say, but they, they learned a lot from each other over the course of the movie. And like initially the movie, I mentioned that, especially at the beginning, Marcel is portrayed as pretty naive as, into the greater world and everything so you kind of expect that this is more going to be marcel learning about the world and how it all works and maybe even learning some of the harsh truths or whatever but it's not really that i mean sure marcel does learn a lot of that kind of stuff but it's as much about i mean dean learning stuff as well yeah about himself i would say dean probably just learns more yeah from marcel than than anything else and Again, it was uh, the whole mockumentary part was a a unique angle. This whole world was so creative, original. Everything just was, it clicked and Mm -hmm. it worked. And I would love to see more Marcel the Shell. Yeah. I don't think we will, but it would be nice. Yeah. I I mean, A24 doesn't typically, you know, have movies that get sequels or anything, which is fine. I mean, I guess Pearl is like a rare exception to that. But um, yeah, I think there's more that could be done with Marcel the Shell. Doesn't need to be. I'm not going to be disappointed if there isn't. But also if there's there's more Marcel the Shell, I'm going to be very, very pleased with that. And his family at the end of the movie. I loved that. As soon as it was a tight shot on him, I was like, his family's definitely next to him. And I still cried anyway. Yeah, and um, th- that was all very impressive too because some of those shots and like kind of the epilogue part of the movie, there are so there's just so many moving pieces like going on because oh the, the family and neighbors and all of that. There's it's just everything is happening. Yes, and and so while you don't have the live action bits spliced in there as much, it's still just as impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I did like all the different uh, like as you said just random things that are like animated <laughs> it's not just shells there's just a lot of other like scraps and random trash pretzels bits. and yeah, crackers pre- and <laughs> yeah all of that's a, a lot of fun yeah uh any other thoughts things you wanted to say holden before we go to our final segment um, one of the uh, ladies, or the the lady who's in the relationship that deteriorates, is Rosa Salazar, who is Alita Battle Angel. Oh, in the in the movie, yeah. <laughs> who I don't know if that's the character's did name. Did Jim Cameron? 
No, he produced that. It? Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. I can't remember who directed it. Um, but yeah. Oh, I think that's Robert Rodriguez actually. Hmm. Never did see it. No. Um, but yeah, very, very good movie. Liked it a lot. The sixty minutes bit. I like the sixty minutes lady. Very Leslie Stahl. Yeah, Leslie Stahl seems like a very nice individual. I always loved sixty minutes throughout yeah. high school and college. I used when I was a kid, I would like sometimes watch it with my family, but I have not really watched it in many years. It was on after football. So nice. That's when I would watch it. All right, Holden. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. This week, Jimmy. Um First of all, caught up on Harley Quinn, rewatched the whole thing, and I've watched the first three episodes that have premiered. Very funny. Quite enjoying it. The new season is, is like, each season kind of has a different vibe to it. This one's certainly, like, it. they're putting Poison Ivy more in the forefront, which is very interesting. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see where the story is going. Still good jokes and everything. Is it NC-17? No, it's not NC-17. <laughs> oh, that's uh, disappointing for you, Holden. Yeah, certainly. Um, but in terms of movies, I only watched a couple, um, aside from the ones we, we had to watch for the podcast. But I watched one, rewatched uh, Pink Floyd The Wall movie, uh, which I just watched because I went and saw Roger Waters, the lead singer of Pink Floyd, in concert this weekend. And I had been looking for an excuse to rewatch it anyway, so I was like, oh, you know what, I'll do it. Got the DVD for Christmas. Um, and yeah, it's a very fun movie. It's, I mean, it is almost entirely symbolic. It's like a visual album, basically. Um, and it does tell a story. Uh, and you can even just tell the story by listening to the music itself, the Wall album. Um, but it is, it's, if you're looking for a straightforward narrative, it's not there. But the visuals are great. The animation sequences in that are phenomenal. I, it's some of a lot of it's live action, but whenever it switches over to animation, I I love it. Um, anyway, the other movie I watched was A Simple Favor, um, directed by Paul Feig, starring Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Um, it's it's basically Gone Girl, but not as good <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> a ringing kind of, endorsement yeah well okay to be fair it feels like it really wants to be like a satire of like gone gone girl especially but other movies kind of like it as well and um uh, but it's just like it doesn't lean into the comedy ang- angle enough like this it's directed by paul feig who did like bridesmaids and like other comedies he directed a lot of episodes of the office and everything like he knows comedy so i don't really know why this didn't lean into that more because i feel like if it did it would be a better movie um the performances are very good and i think the mystery angle of it is still pretty strong because it doesn't it's not just like gone girl or anything um but yeah it's just it's kind of missing some things that i think could have made it better it is also not as good as Gone Girl, but I really like that movie. Um, but yeah, um, continuing watching Last Man on Earth, that movie or that show is very funny. Quite liking that. Um, I have started watching some of the new episodes of Westworld, um, which 
I keep forgetting is happening. <laughs> I've heard it's pretty good this season. Yeah, it is. It's better than season three. Um, I don't know if it's better than season two, but it's weird to me. I'm only a couple episodes in right now. It's weird because season three ends on a cliffhanger that I feel like it, it then like does a seven year time jump in between. But I feel like the cliffhanger at the end of season three, they should have focused on a bit at least, but they kind of like just jump over it and then characters talk about it in the past sense, the past tense. Like, okay, I don't know. Feels like there could have been something interesting there. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some flashbacks or something as the season goes on, but it is certainly intriguing. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I don't know what's happening, but, um, yeah. Um, video games, just playing more ghost of Tsushima, quite liking it. Um, not a ton to say on that front, I guess. Are you in the final island yet? No. Okay. No. I kind of working my way through it slowly. I've just been kind of busy in the last week or so, but I think in the next couple of days I'll probably get there. Especially my roommate is going to be out of town for like the next week and a half, so I basically I'm not going to have like any fighting over the TV or anything. <laughs> there you uh, go. So, yeah. Um Oh, I got the, I know you and I had talked about it briefly. I talked about, or I got the Super Monkey Ball new game. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Switch, because I was like, oh, this seems like a good game. It would be portable. Um, it was, I was in Mall of America this weekend in Minneapolis, and it was $20 at GameStop. And I was like, I've never seen it this cheap. And it was $20 new. And I looked online, and it's still like $40, $50, like everywhere else. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll just get it, whatever um so yeah i got it for switch it was also like 20 bucks for ps5 and everything i was like what the heck is happening here this is so weird but yeah it's pretty fun i haven't played it a ton but i'm liking okay. it so, but anyway jimmy nice. what are you doing all right so gaming wise i played stray holden i played the game oh. that everybody's talking about uh what i did is yeah they have the new playstation plus tiers um, you can get them throughout the remainder of your subscription. I have like four months left, so it was like, do you want to upgrade to the premium for twenty bucks? Uh, and if you do that, here's the games that come with it. I said, you know what? I'll I can play a few of those games for twenty bucks that I don't think I'll need to play again. So I hopped on the the stray bandwagon. It's very good. It's mm-hmm. a good solid four hour experience, especially if you like cats. You can press the circle button to meow. <laughs> um. Is it the greatest game of all time? No, but it's very good. And it's got an interesting kind of world to it, interesting lore. Okay. Um, And it is pretty fun. And you can go kind of breeze through it as fast as you want, or you can take your time. Again, it's not going to be a long experience anyway. You could definitely play it in a weekend. Sure. Um, Then I downloaded Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think that game is very good so far. Um, I am playing through it i'm trying to remember exactly where i'm at but i have met cosmo the 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 golden retriever <laughs> isn't he uh, great he's great the uh space llama is a great addition too oh, yeah. i guess my only gripe is i i know it's faithful to the characters and it's not necessarily bad writing but i just rocket and uh peter just their constant bickering is a little annoying to me mm-hmm. um but it's faithful to the characters. And, I mean, it's well-written. It's just like, okay, just I could do without this for a bit. Yeah. I don't know if it changes. But, anyway, really enjoying that, thinking that's very underrated. 
Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's got a solid story. I I mean, I really do like those contained, just linear games like that. So it's fun. I yeah. think it uh, is very underrated. Uh, in yeah. terms of what I've been watching, Holden, I started watching Mad Men season one, five oh, episodes yeah. in. I think it is good. It has not gripped me yet. Um, but we'll see. It's considered one of the greatest shows of all time. Uh, it's It'll well made. There. I did not realize Elizabeth Moss was in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. I think that was kind of her breakout. Uh, makes sense. Um, so, I will continue watching that, um, at least through the first season. And also, then I'll reevaluate from there. But I've heard it's amazing. And it's my brother's favorite show, so. Also, uh, January Jones from, from Sioux Falls. Yeah, she was my, my. so in high school, I took environmental science, and she was my environmental science teacher's, like, lab partner in high school. Really? <laughs> yeah, she went to, like, Roosevelt High School in Sioux Falls, um, which is pretty interesting. She's she, also, she's a main character in Last Man on Earth, too. She's, oh, I didn't she's, know that. And that's more, that's a comedy, but it, she's very funny in that. Yeah. Um. Alrighty, I think that is all that I have, unless I am forgetting something very obvious. So I'm going to say that's all I have. All right. Um, well, in that case, next week we'll be doing Bullet Train. Yes, Bullet Train. Uh, uh, Prey also comes out on Hulu. Yeah, which I guess we could do both because we don't have Better Call Saul because <laughs> we just did that. Oh, that makes sense. There so we, we go. Do, we could do both. Um, so yeah, we'll watch both of those movies. Um, have to figure out something. I, I feel like there's not a movie coming out the next week, so I'll have to I figure out something. I think there actually. I thought there wasn't, but then I think there is. I think it's. But the rest of August looks pretty bleak. Yeah. Let me look it up. You can keep going through the rest of the outro. Anyway, um, if you want to leave us a request, which you know, with this bare month, honestly, the next couple months are kind of bare. You might want to leave us a request. We might be using some of those. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or email us at tauntpodcast at gmail.com or donate to our Patreon. Yeah, those are all valid ways of getting us a request. Um, oh, is it the they? Idris Elba Lion movie? No, that was the week after. Fall. What's fall? No. You know. Oh, falls the really bad looking. Uh, <laughs> they had that trailer of the the girls falling off the uh, radio tower. Oh yeah. That? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the worst trailer I think I've ever seen. <laughs> VFX wise, um, I maybe it was bodies, bodies, bodies was getting a bigger release or something. I think that's not getting a release. I, I saw that's coming to the state, but I don't think that's coming till September. Okay, well, maybe we'll save prey for two weeks then. We'll at least come at you with bullet train. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll be doing that. So I think that's it, Jimmy. Yes. A24, they're adding a bunch of movies to HBO, but some of them are owned by like Apple and Showtime or something like everything everywhere all at once. Eighth grade and mid nineties are not coming, but a lot of the other stuff is going to HBO, including Ex Machina and Holden's favorite movie, Enemy. Um, the best what? of the Denis Villeneuve movies. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Otherwise, I think that's it. So I'm gonna say adios, pantalones. Love you. Dude.
That one movie podcast. Yeah.